welcome to The Journey Within. I am Alisa, here recording my second episode with my favorite human being, Cheyenne. And the reason I feel that she's really important to be here tonight with me is her journey actually is the most inspiring that I've heard. Um, The struggles, she never victimhooded herself. And um, I really admire that. And she's taught me a lot about separating um, yourself from becoming the victim and realizing like who you are. Mm -hmm. Um, what lesson you can be in, what part you took in a situation, and how you're going to move forward from that. I've Um, been through stuff, but not as, not as much as this beautiful human being has, and, um, it's, it's an honor and a privilege to be in her presence, and, um, yeah, so, I don't know if I should say my story and how I stumbled upon, like, spirituality and, like, how it gave me self-growth first or do you want to start your story um well first thank you for such a beautiful introduction and you know how you can see that you know the listeners can't see the look on my face but that was really beautiful and I totally received that and just feel so warm doing this with you um it's kind of cool I did not expect to be on your second episode but here I am and uh You know, we just pulled some tarot cards and we got the Fool as our conjoining card. And I just know that this time frame for the collective is, you know, really like kind of evolutionary. And we are both picking up on that and embodying that. And so I think it would be a great idea for you to share your story first. Um this is your second episode so maybe it'd be good before I share mine for you to share yours and um, I'm looking forward to listening to that well I briefly told you it on our drive back from that one um, the sound choir thing of all those women coming together and their healing Do you oh, remember that yeah, the SD resistance revival chorus mm-hmm. yeah yeah that was Thank you for taking me to that. Yeah, just to set that up for the listeners, the SD Resistance Revival Chorus. Um, a dear friend of mine, who was a very powerful witch, Reiki healer, doula, um, was a part of this chorus group, and they just were doing some really amazing work um, inside and outside of you know their offering of song. And we went down there. That was probably one of our first dates that we went there. <laughs> and so, yeah, you did tell me a little bit of your story. We've had a couple of times, though, where we really were sharing Bouncing lots of, of info. Yeah. But I think um, in that car ride, I was really explaining to you how I started asking about lifetimes and stumbled upon it and just kind of right. really questioned it. And so it got me thinking about, is there really a time frame of when we begin, or has it always been there for everyone, not just me, not just them, but um, our angels are constantly speaking to us, but it's our will to pay attention or to notice the signs that they're giving us. So a very prominent memory for me, I think it was in 2014, I went to Hawaii. Um, A friend of mine, Chloe, She's from there and um, lives here permanently, but her parents own a house over there. And she invited me 
to stay there for three weeks. Hmm. And while we were there... And how old were you at that point? At that point? Oh, shoot. I think I was 19 turning 20. Okay, so you were 19 for three weeks in Kauai? Or Kauai. Kauai, yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, I was like, I'm drink. <laughs> I was like, I want my ties. Like, what are these? Okay. Um, definitely 20. I was not 21 yet. And it was one day where everyone went on this hike that we already did the day before. And I was like, I'm not going to go. I already did this eight-mile hike. Um, I decided to disconnect myself from everything. I left my phone. I left my Kodak camera. And the only thing I brought with me into town was a deck of cards. And I went to my favorite coffee shop and um, played solitaire by myself. And it was really nice. And I looked up and Ozzy Osbourne sitting right in front of me, by the way, just to let you know. And um, he was wearing this. Wait, are you serious? No, being dead You've ass. You've been in the same room? I've been in the same house. He's watched me play solitaire. And he had this, like, worn out Dolce oh. Gabbana fedora hat and red toms on. And he, had he was wearing big... toms. Yeah, he was wearing toms. He was so awesome. Oh, what's good? And I was like, oh my god, that's him. Uh, but I didn't want to make it a big deal because he already seemed so, like, meh. And he, had, he was eating a spinach mushroom quiche and a black iced tea and I was like you can have that at my wait I love shop. that the threshold of your spiritual like journey starts with Ozzy <laughs> this is we have very similar stories so far what <laughs> no so I played solitaire and he kept looking back at me like I wonder if he was thinking am I weird because I'm not because I'm playing by myself like did he want to join me I don't know but um um yeah hint hint if you want to meet any famous people go to Kauai and um, I leave the table. I start walking along the beach, and I'm pretty sure I was trying. I was given a message because a random man just starts walking along with me, and I completely allowed him. Like usually, I'm a very guarded person, and when someone, I mean, you've seen me interact with people. I'm like, it's a yes or a no with me, like immediately. And um, unfortunately, I'm working on that. Working on it. Um, fortunately, you're working. On yeah, it. fortunately, I'm working on it. There you go. Um, so he was talking to me. And I don't know what he was saying. But it was so weird. It was like a, a really cool story, blah, blah, blah. And then he just leaves me at the end of, like, we reached this pier. And he just leaves me. And I was like, whoa, like, that was a cool conversation. I don't really know. I just really liked what he said. And then I turned onto the street. And this local woman was having a garage sale. And in her garage sale, I was looking around, and there it was. I don't know why, but there was this little red, like, box that had the fool on it and the tarot. And it was the mini version of the tarot card, like, the Rider Waits. Did I say his name? The Rider Waits. Yeah, Rider Waits um, miniature version. I don't know what happened to that deck, but I still have a little booklet from it. But that was my first touch of mm. spirituality. I bought it for 50 cents this tarot deck, used it for just two months, but didn't know how to properly use it, don't know why it came to me, don't know why I picked it up, and left the island with it. Um, that was it, dropped it, I was really into my math major, I was doing calculus two, chemistry, just like super deep into Palomar, and um, that kind of like stumped my like growth of spirit spirituality, and then I transitioned out of that, became 21 and 22, and kind of went ham on my life. I met a person 
that really um, created turmoil inside of me, like real emotionals, mm -hmm. um, distress, I guess. And um, at this point, I was at Cal State San Marcos, um, and I've never felt so disassociated within myself. I don't know how I arrived to my classes, don't know how I woke up, um, kind of was just like a zombie, like a real zombie. And um, I started going to therapy on campus because that was the only resources that I had. And one morning before I had like three classes, decided to not go to any of them. But the only commitment that I had was to see my therapist that day. But on that same day, I was in my bed and it felt like 500 pounds were just on top of me and I just couldn't get up. I was like, I have no purpose. I fucking don't care if I meet anyone or see anyone today. Like, I cannot get up. And so I reclosed my eyes and all of a sudden, like, blue turquoise balls were just, like, moving across my eyes. And I was like, what the heck is this? Like, this is weird. Maybe it's because I'm closing my eyes too hard. And I opened them up and there they are, just, like, all these, like, vibrant electrons in my room. It looked like fairy dust just showering all over my room. I was like, whoa. And I rubbed my eyes again, still there. Um, these like sparkles followed me everywhere um, for the rest of the day. I go to my aunt's house. Oh wait, I missed a part. So that was like a, a real full on awakening, but I missed a really good part of this journey. Um, it was a New Year's Eve, I think 2015 going into 2016. I was at the office in Cardiff picking up some friends to take home before my um, shift. And this lady stops me. Whoa. And she goes, all this that you're part of, you need to throw all that shit behind you and you need to move forward. Like you are destined for something greater than what you know right now. Um, she went on and on and on. And all I can remember is that you need to shine. You need to shine on. Like, this, this scene right here is not for you. You need to get out of the bar. Like, this isn't for you. And I'm telling you, you're destined for something greater. And for me back then, I was like, yeah, everyone said that. You know, like, the very ignorant, like, there's always two paths in your life. And um, I didn't really pay attention to her. But I remember her saying that my aura was, like, yellow and green um, and really big. And she grabs her friend's. And was like, I'm telling you the truth. Like, really, like, don't think I'm crazy. I do this for a living. I don't ever stop any, like, um, civilians. Like, I don't. Like, unless they come see me. So I'm like, this is really important for you to hear me right now. Like, take all your baggage, throw it behind you, and move forward. Because you're on to something. That's basically what happened in that bathroom. Never thought about it. Um, well, I keep thinking about it, how I need to shine on. But the next morning... Um, these two ladies come in and they looked like they're really close friends and I asked them like, Hey, um, how long have you two been friends for? Cause you know, I'm in the service. So like small talk and they're like only for like a couple of months, but for many lifetimes. And usually I look at that as well as like a cheesy line, like, Oh, they just, you know, say that because they're that close and it's just something to say, but I pulled an espresso shot 
And I stopped myself in the middle of the espresso shot. I was wait, lifetimes? What do you know about lifetimes? I never questioned a lifetime before she said that. So I felt very robotic, like something took over me to turn me around and re-ask what a lifetime is. And she goes, well, if you're asking, then you must believe in them. I go, okay, but I don't really feel like I'm part of this world. Like I felt very different. I don't feel like I fit in with anyone, never like connected very well. And she looked at me, she goes, oh, darling, you're from another planet. You're a planetarian. And I was like, what the hell? Like, okay, thanks. And <laughs> I kind of let that go. It was my Friday shift. It was an evening. Um, it was in December because it was nice and cold and there was like the Christmas lights out and the panic in and I was cleaning up the condiment bar and our art creator, Karin, she comes in and um, I immediately asked her, I was like, all right, Karin, this lady talked about lifetimes. Do you believe in lifetimes? And she goes, actually, I'm not the one to ask about that. My friend is. And she goes, wait for her to come in. Her friend walks in and she has this like long blonde hair and like this poncho on and um, super sweet. And I go, so Karen asked me to ask you about lifetimes. You know, I'm like still cleaning the condiment bar. And the only thing she said to me was, wait, she asked for my birthday. And I was like, okay, interesting. And then she goes, by the time you're 27, everything you ever wanted in life will come true. I go, okay. That's a very, like, distinct number to choose. Like, why 27? What? Now I know why. But 27. I was like, cool. I was like, I thought I was going to die when I was 27. Literally flat out told her. I was like, I have a feeling I'm going to die at the age of 27. And she goes, something, like, a part of you will die at the age of 27, but you will live past 27. And I was like, cool. Um, so I really took that in. And then I never thought about it after until this moment um, two years later when I'm trying to get myself to my therapist. Um, and I see her, but after that appointment, I drive to my aunt's house and just chilling with her, talking about like my feelings that day. And I was really open about how sad I was um, then. And um, randomly, I get an email from my aunt and she sends me this email. She goes, oh, I think you really like this place. It's um, it's a spa near your, near your work. And I was like, what? Okay. She goes, yeah, they have like yoga or something. You should check it out. So I open up the email and it's from Four Moons. And on it, the first, um, the first profile is that lady that I saw two years ago. And just to set it up, Four Moons is a spa. Um... Slash, do you want to explain what Four Moons is for those who don't know what that is? Yeah. They have a collective of women who do some sort of work. There's either meditation workshops, um, breath work. Okay. Yeah, so it's like a cool place near us. And so just to friends. recap, you you meet this woman. She talks about past lives. Yes. You. The next day you go to your aunt's and she hands you a pamphlet? No, she was like, oh, I got this email from my okay, friend. Okay, it's a website. Yeah, I'm going to send it to you. You might like um, the contact that's on here, basically. Mm -hmm. And so the next day I open it up and I see the lady who told me that I was going to have everything at the age of 27 oh, okay. yeah. right on the email. So it was interesting because it was two years apart. And I've never told her that story. I was like, whoa, I know this face. 
system. Then I show up. Or this, I go to the front desk after I saw this email, like after work one day, and I decided I was like, oh, it's literally across the street from my work, so I'm gonna show up. And then I drop in, and she goes, we have an event tonight. Do you want to join? And I go, sure, why not? So I show up, and there she is, the lady. Her name is Shannon Agonza, who is a very well-known astrologer. Um, and she basically told me, she read my birth chart then, and the full moon was in Scorpio. So it was pretty um, aligned for mm-hmm. me. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, and those who don't know or can't tell, Elisa's a Scorpio. Can't tell. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, and then after that kind of, like, um, catapulted me forward, and I bought an astrology book from Barnes & Noble and started doing my own um, birth chart readings and figuring out what it means to be a Scorpio. And the more intel that I get about what a Scorpio is, it's, like, insane. Because you think, I don't know, I can, I'll go into detail more about what a what I found out what a Scorpio is in another mm-hmm. podcast, but so it kind of catapulted you. Mm-hmm. So this is the catapult. It was like sort of the beginning of me realizing I need to pay attention um, and start doing the work because the universe only works with you if you go halfway right. or meet it halfway, right? Or at least meet yourself where you're at. Mm-hmm. Now we're here, and we both have grown and learned different techniques. I've transitioned in using tarot and astrology together, combining with um, more women in this field, and that's kind of how it led to me. Actually, our meetup was very synchronized. I um, was at (laughs) Witch Creek Winery all alone and um, was about to order a drink. And my friend Rachel, or our friend Rachel, is like, what are you doing? He immediately calls me. I'm like, sitting at a bar alone. She goes, where? I'm like, Carlsbad. She goes, perfect. I'm actually on the one on my way to go to this woman's circle. Do you want to come with me? And I just leave the bar because I didn't order it, didn't buy it yet. So I just grabbed my stuff and waited in the corner. And Rachel swooped me up and brought me to you. So how did you end up at Community Tea? yoga studio so just to clarify Rachel didn't bring Elisa <laughs> she into did. my office um well so yeah we met at a woman's circle that I host with our dear friend Adlai um that was sort of just the beginning of our friendship and many friendships and many you know patterns of growth but let's see I mean I guess I could just kind of recap how it was, what happened, how it is now, kind of thing. Like what the circle is now? No, no, like what your your, your, your vibration. (laughs) Okay. Um, What you're embodying now, what led you to be this wonderful human? Yeah, I mean, I think that it's really interesting because... A lot of us talk about how we live different lifetimes, and that's something that's widespread across generations is people knowing that they kind of live these different lifetimes in one lifespan. And life really changes so much as we evolve. And um, I would say that that's certainly a pattern that I've really seen in my life. Uh, I've walked a lot of different paths, and I feel equally, you know, connected to those 
you know, different versions of myself that I was. Um, I reflect a lot about my childhood and my lineage. I actually have two moms, as you know. Um, so I grew up, you know, going back and forth between my two moms who were in a relationship for about 10 years. Um, when I was two, they split up. But regardless, moral of that story is that I moved a lot. Between both of them moving a lot, I moved a lot as well. Um, I grew up, you know, in Sacramento, all different places from South Sacramento to Lodi to Citrus Heights, all sorts of places. And um, I was really confident as a little kid. I was certainly um, pretty conceited. I was told how smart and beautiful I was so much. And um, and I carried that with me for a long time. And I think that really helped me. And um, I think I was living in, you know, a pretty impoverished state. And, uh, you know, I was around a lot of drugs and alcohol, sex, different things like that growing up. And one day we moved to a really you know, a nicer area. And I was in total culture shock. I went from being, you know, one of the only white kids at school to a full white school. And my style was different from everybody's. The way I talked and presented myself was so um, unevolved compared to everybody else, I felt. Um, and I would say that that was, you know, one of the most horrific <laughs> periods of my life. I was totally just disassociated, angry. Um, there was so much going on in my family that I was out of control of. And I think that's where so many things started with me in general was just being out of control of, you know, the people around me, my mom's and my family's addiction, uh, what I was exposed to, just stuff like that. You know, I, I really think a lot about how when I was a kid, um, I tried to hide the stuff that I knew about from my friends and their parents. And I always kind of felt this sense of guilt for being so, um, you know, I knew about everything that most kids were sheltered from. And Did so, guilt or shamed of it? I mean, I felt guilty and a little bit shameful too. I definitely carried this sense of like, okay, I'll have to play, you know, innocent so that I, you know, I didn't mm -hmm. want people to see. And I think that that was one of my main personality defects from the start was that, um, whereas now I think I'm adaptable, I used to be more of like alternate personalities and things like that. And, um, I really wanted it, you know, like everyone wants to be accepted and loved and things like that. And that's where I would say my personality really took a turn for the worse. In my friend group, I became, you know, really angry. And I would just say that, you know, that was a really dark period of time. And I found some relief and release when, you know, I started bonding with others over things like smoking weed and getting drunk. And um, I lost my virginity, you know, when I was like 13 to another girl. And, uh, most of my first experiences were through, you know, either drugs or alcohol. And I know that's the case for many people, but I think that always rung in my head as something to be noted. And I really found a sense of identity in how much I could um, consume and 
what I could get my hands on and things like that. At the same time, though, I remember being really resistant and my friends having to pressure me to do things at certain points. But um, anyway, so that was a big part of me growing up became this sort of cycle of trying to conquer and manage substance use. And that later turned into um, just, you know, a piece of my everyday self. And uh, when I was 16, I dropped out and I was on independent study for a while. I was, again, really angry uh, about my peer group and things like that. I just always felt like I didn't want to fit in. I thought I was really different and things like that. But um, anyway, I had been coming down to Lake Forest, which is in Orange County, because my half-brother lives there, who's from the same sperm donor as me, um, which is a huge long story that I won't even get into. But essentially, my half-brother lived there, and I would go visit him during the summers growing up, and I always found this sense of, like, beautiful escapism um, doing that. And so I started coming down more often once I could, and I would just, you know, surf and ride bikes and have fun, and it was such a relief. And, um, once I came down here regularly, um, I remember I met a boy. Well, I didn't meet a boy. I knew a boy that um, I started kind of seeing down here, and I got signed to an agency on a whim one time. And so I was like, you know, this is it. I'm ready to actually move there. Uh, my mom had, like, my mom and I had now lived in an apartment together, and I knew that you know, she was in recovery and stuff like that, but I knew she was um, doing some sex work, and I just was ready for something, like, bigger to happen, and I always felt this pull to Southern California, as I'm sure a lot of people do, and um, I moved down here, and that was fucking hell because I was alone for a lot of that. I definitely used sex as a tool and a coping mechanism for loneliness. Um, yeah, I went further into, you know, certain addictions that I had. I really was in a very uncomfortable state that was a threshold for me, ultimately, because I also made a lot of friends in LA and I had this sort of like family there where we were, you know, one of my dear friends was a music producer and he had a beautiful house and there were these fucking crazy parties and um, I really felt accepted, you know, and I had a couple of other dear friends there too. And, um, but regardless, I was just like kind of drinking and using and, um, stuff like that, but I didn't think it was a problem, and it wasn't for the time being. I was just working at a sports bar and trying to do something with myself, and I was uh, at my friend's house. His name's Alan, and he's the one that, you know, was really one of the rocks during that time, and he taught me how to meditate with crystals that a shaman in the Bahamas had taught him, and, um, I remember it being such a profound experience, just being like, wow, I can't believe how much I can see right now. Um, this is exactly like someone understands, um, you know, getting lost in imagination and, and things like that. 
Um, and I also thought it was beautiful because I had had like tons of psychedelic experiences that resulted in really, you know, I was really dramatic about certain things. So psychedelics weren't always my friend when I was you know, 15, 16. And um, it was just so cool to have a psychedelic experience that didn't result in me just being like fuck, fucking resisting, you know, whatever ego death I needed to kind of face. Anyway, um, <laughs> then I kind of had ventured down to Oceanside and I found this boy who invited me to a party and, you know, I just kind of hopped into this relationship with him. And it was just fucking mayhem, you know. Was that before that reading with that lady? No, so I did get a tarot reading. This was the, the one tarot reading I always say, like, just fucking blew me away. And this was, oh, I had met um, the boy in Oceanside, yeah. And so I met him, and I really liked him. And um, he had a house and all this stuff, like all these people. And I was like, oh, God. Like, it was the first time I remember walking in there into his house and people were smoking cigs in the house and like you know all these boys were hanging out and they had long hair and it was just such a scene you know and I was like oh my god like yes this is exactly what I need and um and so I totally pursued that relationship and him and um I thought it was home and it felt like home and um then I went back to L.A. I was going back and forth from L.A. because I was working on a music pro project. And um, I got a tarot reading. My, my dear friend Jess, who also did a lot for me, you know, during that time, took me to her, her reader. And the reader had told me, you know, in two years you would meet someone that's four years older than you. They would be with me for the rest of my life. Um, that I would have two kids. And at the time, I was also... Um, I had also had sex for money like two times and I was really fucked up about that. Like, I mean, um, it just affected me. I was not ready or prepared for that. And I, I just really wanted money. I didn't have any good, um, motive for it other than like acting out of scarcity and things like that. So that was interesting and, uh, you know, made some money doing that, but Ultimately, it left me just feeling, you know, I did not feel good. It was, I didn't feel good about it. And when she brought that up was when I was just like, what the fuck? Because nobody knew about that. That was like my biggest, darkest secret, you know, and uh, yeah. she brought it up. And I was like, oh, my fucking. <laughs> and I'm sitting there just trying to keep a composed face so that she doesn't know. It's like she obviously fucking knows. <laughs> And, um, she goes, I'm legit. <laughs> and she says this, and I and she says, you can break away from that. There's no real loss there. Everything that you lose will be replaced. And I'd only, you know, I'd only done this twice, but still, I I felt this sense of relief when she said that, and um, I knew that she had some truth there. And you know, she said, you know, stay away from girls because they'll just be trouble for you too. And that turned out to be true. You know, I'd done some stupid shit. Uh, <laughs> and um, anyway. So that was my first real intro. I My grandma did give me a deck when I was a little kid, but I never used it. And I think I must have sold it or gotten rid of it or something. But I had my first deck probably when I was like six. And I never opened it or touched mm -hmm. it. So anyway, um, then that did open the door. When I was living at that house in Oceanside, I had uh, begun researching kundalini yoga. 
and the, that word kundalini would just kind of ring out to me and um, I was just really caught up though in a lot of the partying that I was doing and I felt like I had hardly any time to do anything that you know I felt the call for and um, I bought a bunch of oracle decks and I would get all fucked up and give my friends readings with oracle decks and I just it was a fucking mess and I moved and um, so some time went by and uh, I moved a couple more times and one day I remember I just hit a fucking wall because I was at work and I would just I would be so fucked up at work like <laughs> it was unreal and I was going there and I would have panic attacks before going to work because I would be up you know days or nights before going to work and I would be so like tweaked out and just not normal not a normal person and uh I remember I quit doing coke and I was having a really fucking hard time because <laughs> I just replaced it with like painkillers and um I was having these crazy panic attacks and I just I knew I had to clean up my act and I went into the kundalini yoga studio that had just recently opened in Oceanside and I was just like I need a job here like you don't understand I need a job here and they gave me the job like I started the next day and um and I remember I, I went to work the first time there on mushrooms and uh <laughs> whoa yeah that's pretty funny. walking into this place yeah. on shrooms yeah. oh and training too on mushrooms and um <laughs> a little loaded and, and at this point I was very you know well acquainted with many forms of psychedelics and 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 just substance in general it wasn't really that big of a deal for me um yeah so that kind of started this kind of obsession with kundalini yoga and I totally um I got clean and sober after that too I uh, quit smoking I mean this was all in synchronicity it was like quit smoking um quit drinking I quit everything because I quit smoking and I realized what a fucking problem it had been like how much it really was bogging me down and stopping me from doing my work in the spiritual world which is really near and dear to me and um so I feel like this story's been going on for a long time now. But anyway, I was working there, and that was a big element. And then I started doing um, the 12 steps to really stay clean and sober because I hit that wall. You know, trying to stay sober without a program wasn't working for me anymore. And uh, so I, I joined. Um, I didn't join. I went to a meeting for my first time, which was a big deal, and completed the 12 steps. And I still, you know, do a lot of that kind of stuff. But... Um, being clean and sober has been the biggest fucking projective thing, like projection for me. Like, and that was just like this whole year, right? This whole year, yeah, since the beginning of uh, 2018 was, you know, when I really got clean and sober. I mean, between then and now, I've done DMT and mushrooms and stuff like that, but... Now I don't really dabble in anything at all because I'm trying to really keep this middle ground. But getting clean and sober opened up every fucking possibility I could ever think of. Like suddenly um, things just started to happen and I could actually hold space for things to happen in my life. And um, something that you know they say in, in this literature called the promises uh, in all the 12-step programs is that, you know... Um, 
we intuitively know how to handle what used to baffle us. And I think about that a lot. Like now my nervous system has upgraded itself so much just from being clean and sober that I can hold a channel and I can give people readings and I can show up to places. I can go to school. I can go to work. I can be productive. Right. I can do all kinds of things without breaking the fuck down or freaking out. And I don't blame people or live in victimhood because it's just, it's easier to do that for me now. And, um, yeah, when it comes to tarot and stuff like that, it's funny because I never touched tarot when I was using. And uh, <laughs> and as soon as I got clean and sober, and I had like a month clean and sober, I became really interested in the tarot. And the tarot has been such a like, like such a gateway for me, you know, just to like meet people and be a part of. And um, I was doing herb and tarot classes for a while. And that was when Adley, the girl who I do women's circles with, actually, you know, kind of reached out to me and saw that I was posting about tarot and invited me. And I was like, yeah, I have this idea about, you know, tarot counsel. Rather than someone giving you this psychic reading, it's more like a counsel session. And that's what I wanted to offer to the women in the circle. And I was so fucking scared of women. I mean, so much resistance around relationships and trusting women. And so that whole process has just been like, immaculate and crazy in my growth too and it brought us together and I feel like you've brought me to so many key people and it's just like such a web you know it's all such a web the, and it all starts just with like you yourself. unshackling yourself so yeah I was like it's so funny because the whole time you were telling your story I was kind of like okay I'll keep mine kind of short <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no. It's probably longer. (laughs) It's funny because that reading with that lady and she like broke that biggest secret. I was like, girl, you told me that the second day we hung out. (laughs) Yeah, now I just tell everybody. Now, but see, that's the thing is like, that's kind of that freedom that I kind of get now is that like, I don't. Yeah, I don't shut the door on the past anymore. Like, I don't try to, like, hide anything. Because how... What's the use? What's the use? Yeah. Yeah. And, like, and also there's some... I feel like that doesn't help anyone grow when you're always constantly in, like, denial of of yourself, of different versions of yourself. Or just filtering yourself, you know, filtering the best parts about yourself. Like, Mm -hmm. um, I love when people have something to kind of grit on if you're a smooth surface no one can hold on you know no one can climb to the top with you you don't have any grips yeah you need edges you need it dense in you so wow projecting what was the theme of this podcast the theme of this episode was um just kind of like everyone has a belief system right no one's is correct or whatever but there's something that we all hold on to knowing that there's a greater thing than all of, than our oneselves. And I just know that while we were trying to identify or find our own selves, like our stories were kind of similar to like, okay, that's it. Like I can no longer be in this environment or how am I going to get better? Because we hit a point where this can't be it, right? Like this really can't be it. There's There should be more. I should be feeling um, happier or, um, how can I get more? 
but it's not like we wanted more as in uh, material things, I mean, at least for me. And um, it was always constantly, where's our community? Where are my loved ones? Um, how will I be able to share myself with others and not have a panic attack? Like, I'm, I'm still anxious. I don't know how I'll ever get rid of that, and I'm still working on that. But um, what has stabled my anxiety a lot has been through understanding myself through astrology, knowing that, oh, the reason I cried so much is because I am full water sign, or I guess giving meaning. Um, I know that a lot of people can't get that mindset of like, oh, it's just a system projecting onto you what you should be like. But instead, it's like, I went through all this, then I read about myself, and it connected. So um, it gave truth to, to it all. And that's kind of like, um, what this episode should be about is like the truth and um, how we found dignity within ourselves in our own truths. Right, and how you can just feel that sense of fulfillment too. Like, I mean, that's what everyone really wants is that sense of satisfaction and fulfillment. That is this really it? Not, you know, having a rebuttal at the end of it. Like, no, it's not really mm -hmm. it. There's so much more to that. And I think that astrology being something that is like so many other you know spiritual tools or divination tools is that you can take what you like and leave the rest and you can use it as a building block rather than um, a contract you know it doesn't have to be this set in stone like you're doomed you're damned or you're great it's more like you could probably use this as a tool of self-reflection not as a tool of the future or the past, but this tool of self-reflection. I mean, that's kind of how yeah. I always talk about tarot, mm -hmm. too. And both of those things really um, dovetail nicely. Definitely, together. with the elements. And yeah, with the elements and, um, too, just, you know, all the tarot cards are ruled by something in the sky for the most part. So, you know, I think it's really interesting. And I, oh, something that I would almost like to talk about, too, is that sense of, like, what... Because I know you were saying how your Mars is in Leo. Mm -hmm. So what is what is Leo like? What is is he the god of something? Leo is ruled by the sun, right? Um, shoot, the god of. I mean, that's I don't, I don't. He. I mean, they're all the each like Venus is the goddess of love. Like they all have like a certain um, rulership over, mm -hmm. and Leo is more about I love Leos even I though do too. even though Leo people, women I love Leo women I mean men they, too but the way Leo women um they're not I just don't like this is also that's why I'm like oh there's so many misconceptions of Scorpios or misconceptions of Leos or like any kind of sign we always look at the negative parts about them but when I think of like Leos it's like they're just like finally found themselves because prior they were Aries and they were like the fool. They're like, oh shoot, I don't know who I am. I'm going to yeah. stumble upon the world. And then they evolved into a Leo of like finding like, yeah, we're going to talk about the yellow or we're going to talk about the solar plex. It's about their core. They found their true selves and they're, they're working it. They're like, yeah, they I are. am here and I finally understand who I am and I no longer want to go back in the unknown for myself. Yeah. Kind of a deal. And they want everyone to join them. They don't want, like, if I don't shine, right, they want to you know, give life, like yeah. the sun. 
they give life. I love it. That's so interesting because, you know, I never had thought about that uh, evolution between the signs, like mm-hmm. which one comes first and last and um, and how Aries is the first one. So you're, so, you know, for everyone who doesn't know this, uh, so Elisa's Mars is in Leo and mine is in Aries, which... Um, Should we describe a little bit what that means? Yeah, so okay. Aries... I'll say, like, Aries is the god of war. Mm-hmm. And Mars, so when your Mars is in a sign, it's kind of like your passion and your drive, right? How you kind of, like... You're a warrior because it's yeah. masculine. It's, like, the fighter for you because Mars rules Aries, actually. So it's the masculine side of you of, like, how you can... Um, like, how you're fighting and what you're fighting for, mm-hmm. right? And having just so much um, pride in it. Yeah, you know, because, um, sounds exciting. It is. Um, wow, they're like, I have so much going on in my head and I can't like articulate it. Why is Mars so hot? Why is Mars like the hottest planet? Wait, it's literally hot. It's actually hot, yeah. (laughs) Um, it's, it's cool, um, to know where your Mars is because then that will help you understand what kind of like. Where are my masculine attributes, right? Because we live in a man's world where you see it's very dominated by the men. And honestly, like, reviewing a lot of stuff, it's very influential. Like, men take an idea and they just charge it, right? Like, without thinking, they just rail over the earth. They're like, you know what? I wanted this. So they just went forward for it. And that's the Aries And Aries, yeah. They're just like, they just do before they think Mm -hmm. kind of a lot. And so, um, and kind of watch what produces from that, but... It's nice that we have Mars, or at least yours is in Aries, right? Mm-hmm. Um, both, like, in their elemental size, so it's comfortable for them, and right. working with it. So I kind of just was thinking about that, because, I mean, it's really interesting kind of listening to our spiritual growth and evolution, and kind of that contrast. I mean, a similar kind of story... I mean, you didn't talk too much about before. Like, you kind of started from the moment, you know, you're in Kauai. And I kind of went way far back. But that evolution, kind of looking at the things, how we charged them and how we changed and shifted. And you had a much more graceful approach to things, you know, asking a question or visiting a group or something like that. I just inserted myself. I was like, yeah. Right. And you're showing up and you're showing up on time. And, Mm. um, and I even think about like, it's funny because then looking kind of how I'm charging things, very airy. (laughs) You're so (laughs) The moment I'm like, so, um, I come off the plane. So like, yeah, I kind of want to start a podcast. Perfect. Next week. Like the way Cheyenne talks to me about us hanging out in the beginning was like, so we're setting this meeting and I hated that. (laughs) She just scheduled me into her life. Fucking <laughs> my sweet spot. It's, I need to stop guessing. Um, but yeah, she charged an idea, so it's cool because what Mars placement in Leo is that we have this capacity to wanting to birth something, and we'll know we'll get there. But having this very like masculine, powerful like Aries Mars situation combining together, she really pushed me forward in starting this or our. That's how you can use astrology is that like looking at both of our charts and seeing how did we collaborate ourselves together. Wow. This yeah. is like very, you know what? This is lit. This, <laughs> here so, we go. I'm going to push something go. right now. Here we go. This What's episode should be called Catapults. 
Ooh, because I feel like it's like we talk about cat like the catalyst itself, Mars. Mm. And then I all I literally just saw was like fire, like from like the medieval times of like fire, like being thrown. Yeah, I'm getting some medieval vibes too. All yeah. the listeners like just shut up. There's no <laughs> medieval vibes. You're on a podcast on Spotify. <laughs> This is just, if you read the description, everything's through. You have house plants. This is a video. <laughs> but, yeah, just needing, um, oh, yeah, talking about freedom um, and isolation a lot. The collaboration that we got going on here. Um, like, I feel free, you know. And um, more willing to do work when in this. Does that make sense? Because sometimes people isolate themselves thinking that that's what freedom is. It's like if I just disconnect and I go into the woods for a couple of days and, like, right. you know, instead, and then they're still in the same spot. Do you notice those kind of people are like kind of in the similar conversation? Not necessarily, but that's what they want. But sometimes I feel like, us contributing to society or giving out stuff gives us a little bit more freedom. Yeah, having efficient coping mechanisms, you know, yeah. rather than this need to always do something to get yourself to the space. But, like, if you have these minor coping mechanisms that can keep you present and grounded through all situations, that, that really is true freedom, you know, because freedom has nothing, nothing to do with the external and everything to do with you know, the mind and the internal in brain chemistry and how you're feeling. And <laughs> the great fucking shine. Why don't you break it down for us? <laughs> yeah, well, should we wrap it up? Here we go. She stopped her energy drop, so we're going to exit. Wow. What? What an <laughs> outro. <laughs> Thanks for listening.